On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk about the common signs of isolation and how isolation is used to abuse you. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to talk about isolation, all things isolation as an abuse tactic. It's on the power and control wheel. But before we get to this episode, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there is a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There we have all of these instructions. So please do read all of the instructions and either send us an email at to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in in the format that we ask for. And we can never have enough uh, people submitting stories, so please do so. And today we are going to talk about isolation. And we like to do drill downs on uh, subjects. We're going to try to get to all of them eventually. You know, it takes a little bit of time to put together these episodes. So when it comes to isolation... In the terms of domestic abuse, isolation means that the victim is actively being separated physically, socially, and emotionally from the people in their life by the means of persuasion, aka manipulation, threat, or physical violence. Isolation is a significant factor in domestic abuse because it limits our interactions with family, friends, co-workers, and these are necessary interactions for our emotional and psychological well-being, but also for our safety. Uh, Domestic abuse is rooted in control, and the more alone a victim is, the more control an abuser has, and isolation really cements like the absolute control uh, that the abuser uh, has because it creates this blind spot, let's say, for victims uh, regarding what options they have uh, to seek help uh, and leave because isolation gives a, a lot of power to the abuser by making them the only source of human interaction. So I want to talk now about isolation in abusive relationships and the really big points about isolation and the role it actually plays in abuse. And the first thing about isolation is that it creates dependency. And dependency is a really big, big And when it comes to abusive relationships, since they are all about control, 
the abuser wants to be able to erode your identity and take away your independence. So the abusive person will work to isolate you from others to gain a greater sense of control. And this control doesn't have to be isolation in the, in the physical isolation. It doesn't always have to uh, be that way. It, it can be creating emotional distance or a lack of trust so that these relationships that you have lose their depth and can become really superficial. And it's a form of isolation where you are losing your connections, where you feel like you might have been able to open up or confide into other people. But because isolation is about creating dependency on your abuser and your abuser wants you to be very dependent on them in all ways, it creates a form of um, they're, they're, they're creating a form of isolation so, so that you can depend on them and not just monetarily or for doing things around the home, but a lot of it has to do with um, your worth being put in, into their hands. So they want the dependency of your worth in their hands. And they also want to be able to sow the seeds of, of doubt and have your ear to... Um, move you away from other people, that they are the be-all and end-all of the world. So they're creating this isolation. So you depend on them and slowly move away from other people. And they have a bunch of different tactics and and eventually will be getting into a lot of these uh, tactics. So they're creating isolation. The abuser is creating a dynamic where you become dependent on your relationship with them as you experience a much bigger distance between all of your other relationships. And therefore, it's a way easier um, for the abuser to exert control in all avenues once that happens because they've cut off, for the most part, um, where you'd go and they make them the center of your world. So another big point about isolation and the role it plays in abuse is isolation through manipulation. And when it comes to manipulation, one of the interesting things in in this aspect of things is that you as the victim of this manipulation has to believe that the Uh, abuser is telling the truth and that the person who is controlling you is, is the one who is actually telling you the truth. And we talk about this on the show a lot when it is in the idealization, love bombing, trust building stage, or maybe there's a grooming aspect as well, is that a trust in this time is being built and everything is overwhelming for the most cases. Sometimes you're in these relationships for, you know, they, they go quickly, but you put your um, worth in their hands or they're doing everything like that is so over the top that their love is just so grand and their future and all of these things together that you don't have any reason to believe that they won't be truthful, that they have 
something insidious going on to try and isolate you from other people. So a lot of the work here, uh, when it comes to this manipulation aspect of isolation, um, is really done in the early stages. So you are, uh, see them as a trustworthy person who tells the truth. And when it comes to this type of manipulation, obviously this isn't done with force, um, or anything like physical or anything like that. With this type of manipulation, it is uh, a little bit more subtle. Guilt might be brought in here. A little bit of pressure tactics might be brought in as well. You might start hearing things like you're selfish for spending time uh, with your friends and... Um, you know, I love you. Why would you want to spend time with your friends? And they've already shown you that they love you. And I quote unquote, use the air quotes of love right there. But they've done such a good job early on that when they do say something like that, you have to maybe at this point, being the victim of this, say, hey, well, why do they have a reason to lie with lie to me? They really love me a lot. So they will believe, the victim will believe what is being said and not see it as control. Um, and, you know, that might also instill when they say something like that, that might have guilt might start running through you and you start, oh, you start thinking these things and be like, yeah, do you know what? My partner does love me. I'm going to go and hang out with him instead of my friends. Or in these situations, they may use the us against them mentality, us against the world. And with that, what they're doing is that they're creating a sense that no one understands you like they do. And they might be instilling that others might not see the love that that you two have together. We have a love no one else can understand to make you feel special and dependent on them in that way. But at the same time, kind of giving you this negative view of how the outside world is looking at you and that the outside world and your friends and family can't be trusted. Sometimes they might guilt you into thinking that you're not committed into into this type of relationship because you're hanging out with others too much. So they might um, really go after your commitment. And that's a challenge for a lot of people. It puts guilt on you. But at the same time, it's these little subtle things. Why would you not take that as the truth? So it's really kind of harking back on laying the, found, the, the foundation or the groundwork early on of creating this trust that you're going to believe that they are telling the truth when these little tiny manipulations start to come into play to isolate you. Um, you know, things that you might hear is that your friends and family don't accept them or they might have been unfriendly toward them at some point. They might kind of pressure you on, like, where's your loyalty, things along those lines. So they're really kind of sowing these little tiny manipulation doubt seeds early on, and you're trusting their word because they laid that foundation and that 
groundwork and it's isolating you. And the most interesting thing about this is when they're saying these things to you, they're not forcing you in a way, you know, it's not, it's a, it's a manipulation. It, it's done in a way where they can then say, well, you made the choice in these situations. So there's this, a kernel of truth might come into play. So if you're being isolated or distance and you bring that up, um, hey, I feel like I might be distancing myself, they might say, well, you made that choice. But the reality is you've been coerced into making that choice and you've been manipulated uh, into making that choice. And the role of these manipulations right here, these subtle ones specifically at the beginning, are really separating you from your friends and family, but also creating an attitude in the sense of uh, a negative view uh, on other people um, and a positive view on your relationship. There could be a lot of mixed messages going on within this time as well um, because they might have convinced you as well that you are the one that chose to isolate yourself. So that might happen. But really, like its role in the abuse here is creating this wedge that's going on in this aspect of things that will eventually make it much more difficult uh, to leave later on. And these messages that are being created and instilled in you um, really separate you from other people. So another thing on our list uh, with abuse and isolation and its role is that its role is being a tool for uh, punishment. And because of the isolation, someone will become dependent on the abusive person for their uh, social needs to be met. So when you are cut off from everyone due to isolation, it becomes that much more difficult to have your social needs met. And it really then falls on to the abusive person and the abusive person alone. And once that happens, um, it's much easier for an abuser to start withdrawing all of your emotional needs as a form of punishment to control you. So when you are dependent on your abuser uh, for this emotional connection, they're able to give you emotional connection, take it away, give it, take it away. So if they're trying to control you or start to mold your behaviors in the way that you want, they'll start to condition you to act in a certain way by giving you this emotional connection that you need and then taking it away if you don't do what they want. So this type of uh, isolation uh, this form of punishment is going on, this withholding that is going on, giving you emotional um, affection and your emotional needs being met and then taking it away. This is a form of emotional abuse amongst all the different other forms of emotional abuse. But in this one is a pretty 
um, insidious one because they're they know exactly what they're doing, giving and taking away. It's 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 a drug and a drug dealer. It's like they've they've given you the addiction and now they're taking away their the and you're getting withdrawals and and it's really being able to form um, this addiction and more of this addiction onto them to get away with eventually whatever they want to get away with. And eventually they'll be able to get away with a lot more than this emotional uh, needs being uh, pushed and and pulled away. Eventually a a lot more um, as far as abuse, psychological abuse, possibly physical abuse can happen when you're um, isolated. And this is how, um, you know, isolation can be used as a tool for punishment because you have nowhere else to go when this connection is all on them. And another role that isolation plays in uh, abuse is its help to erase your identity. It's a self-erosion that is going on. And this has to do with your friendships and your family outside of the abusive relationship. You know, having healthy relationships outside of this relationship with your friends and and family helps you have your independent identity. You you will get possibly boosts of self-esteem or self-worth from your outside uh, relationships, from activities as well. But when you're isolated uh, and you're being controlled, all of a sudden uh, you start losing your sense of self because of this relationship. You don't have these people to talk to, to reinforce what might be going on within the relationship. You have no one to bounce these things off of. You can't confide in anyone because all of a sudden you are being isolated and it becomes that much more difficult, especially if they've done a really good job with the manipulation aspect of things for you to really start confiding in people and there might be shame and everything like that involved. So you're not getting a perspective from anyone about what is acceptable and non-acceptable behavior. So you might be getting put down, nitpicked, Uh, comments about your weight, your looks, your competency, a lot of these things, you gaslit in in, in many uh, different ways, things that are really attacking uh, who you are, um, what you like, all these things that make up you. And really the only person that you're talking to about this behavior is the abuser themselves, and since they created a form of dependency on them, you're listening to their reality of the situation, and uh, that manipulation and and gaslighting is what's going to keep you in these relationships and start to maybe eventually then question your own. Uh, sanity, your own self-worth, your own identity of what is actually going on here because the reality of what they're telling you and what's really going on does not match 
and you're believing their version when that's not the reality of the situation. And that's going to start to slowly um, really wear you down of who you are. And they really have, you know, to get to this point of eroding your self-identity, your self-esteem, your self-worth, everything about you, you know, they really did a good job in the early stage of um, isolating you, manipulating you and creating dependency uh, on them to, to get to this point. And another point uh, with isolation is, we've mentioned it a bunch of times already, is isolation creates a lack of support. So even when you know what is going on, abuse is happening, you can see it. You're so far removed from any support at this point. You don't know how to reach out. You don't think you can. Again, shame might really become a big thing, embarrassment that you might be in this situation where there is no shame or embarrassment. This can happen to anyone. And it's a really a hard thing is to leave, especially when you feel like you have no support whatsoever. Um, You have nowhere to go and you don't think you can ask anyone uh, where to go. And this is where shelters and those things really come into play, especially if they've gotten to the point of isolation where you don't think anyone else is going to understand what you've been through. That's why online communities uh, like our community is important to talk to other survivors that you can do in your home and reach out to people that do understand you. Uh, They might not be your friends, they might not be your family, but they're people that do and it's something you can actually do from your home even if you're physically cut off from the outside world. Um, Those are really big things when it comes to getting to this point and trying to leave when you feel like you have no support in the outside world. There is the online uh, world uh, and there are shelters and agencies as well that um, can help because being isolated isn't a simple thing. It's a really complex issue. A lot has gone into getting you isolated. And when there's that many layers to unpack, leaving isn't as simple as, you know, people say. And even when you get to that point of trying to leave, it's still hard to make that a final step because there's also... Um, besides the dependency of financial aspects as well that are going on here and just really getting out of the twilight zone that you've been living in to get back into the reality of, of the real world and not the abuser's world to see exactly what has transpired when you're that far uh, deep in this hole. So if you are listening and you are in one of these holes, do reach out to different online communities if possible uh, and as well uh, shelters and agencies to help you get an advocate and get another third party if possible if you've gotten this far in your isolation and don't feel comfortable reaching out to friends or family for a myriad of, uh, of different reasons. So when it comes to isolation, there are some warning signs for you, but we're also going to mention here, besides some warning signs, the common things that you might hear from your partner where uh, they're attempting to manipulate you, 
um, to isolate you. So uh, there might be some overlap from things that we have mentioned or I've mentioned uh, earlier. So uh, bear with me on that. Um, But starting off here, uh, one of the big warning signs is that your partner insists on as much one-on-one time as possible. And in all relationships and in healthy relationships, of course you want one-on-one time with your partner, but not when it is excluding other relationships in your uh, life. So it's a big warning sign that your partner is trying to isolate you when they request that uh, all of your time uh, be with them. Um, And it may feel like that's romantic and that they love you so much. But what's really going on is that increasing amount of time spent with them is actual uh, control. And they're getting that control by isolating you. Uh, Another one on the list here is that your partner doesn't want to really hang out with your family or your friends and they want to isolate you from those people. So an abuser will try or actively avoid being part of those relationships and they just might simply say that they don't want to spend time with your friends or family, or to avoid spending time with your friends and family. They might be rude uh, during an interaction with them so that then your friends and family don't want to spend uh, time with that person. And a lot of times when this happens, um, it just reinforces Um, the manipulation that's going on with the uh, abuser about that your family, like an us versus them, your family that might not like me, etc. There's a lot of different ways that they can play with, with this stuff. Blame shift in a lot of these occasions and really put the stuff on your family and that they don't understand us. A lot of that stuff that we mentioned earlier comes into play here, but them really not wanting to interact with your friends and family is a big uh, red flag when it comes to being isolated. So another thing on our list here is a red flag is that they invent reasons why you should not see your friends and family. And this one could be really subtle. So it might be that you have a plan with your friend or a family member and they actually don't want you to go. So what they do is they might come up with like a really grand dinner that goes beyond or a special dinner than than you hanging out with your friends or family. They've made this plan once they find out what else is kind of going on. And then you might cancel those plans with your friends or family and go to this dinner. And it's a thing that one time, sure, 
two times, sure. But if this starts to become a pattern that you see that you have plans with other people and then they start making these other plans, it could be, hey, I invited my own mother to come over for, for dinner. You should have to cancel your plans because my mom is coming to dinner. If these things really start happening over a long period of time and really become a pattern of behavior, then you're being isolated from your friends and family and really take this as a sign, a big warning sign that isolation is occurring, even though it doesn't seem like it is because um, it might seem like love. It might seem like if you're doing things with their family or something like that instead, their mom or their dad's coming to dinner, it might seem like it's a family thing, but still you're being isolated from your family and you're seeing, or your friends, and you're seeing them less and less and less and less, and they're the ones doing it. And another a form of isolation, things that we've mentioned before, just really a heavy dose of jealousy, guilt, um, a lot of different types of emotional manipulations. So if they're feeling, making you feeling guilty for spending time with other people and, and friends or, or family where that is a perfectly normal thing to do, it's a sign of isolation, especially this continues to uh, go on. If they're jealous uh, of your friends or of your family uh, and they're using that um, as a way to control who you're hanging out with, again, this is a form of isolation and a big a warning sign, a red flag. But again, as we stated in earlier episodes, red flags aren't red flags until they become a pattern. So when you're going through this process of dating someone, if you start to notice that guilt and jealousy become a big way of them to, a big way for them to really isolate you from people, isolation is uh, occurring. And again, we've heard uh, this before as far as a big red flag goes is them constantly checking in on you. So a form of control it might be done in the form of love. Um, but a lot of the time they're doing these constant check-ins. Checking in is a form of surveillance and it's a way of isolating you. So you actually might be hanging out with people, but all of a sudden you're not present with who you are with. You're constantly in a conversation with them. This might become really annoying in a certain way. They're just doing these check-ins. It might get annoying to the point where you don't want to go out anymore and all of a sudden you are being socially socially isolated. Again, this is a form of control, but it's a way to isolate you. So you might not go out anymore because you, you just don't want to do these check-ins anymore. And your friends might really be getting annoyed with you uh, that you're always on your phone and you're doing these check-ins and not being there, which again can cause an issue between you and your friends of not being present, not being there uh, while you are out with them, while you're in their presence, which then might cause uh, some friction and possibly an argument, which then goes all the way back to, uh, well, you don't understand a relationship and all the things that have been implanted in your head as far as our relationship is different, our relationship is special, people don't understand this type of love that we have. And that is it for our red flags as far as isolation goes and common things for you to look out for. So there are also some common phrases or things that an abuser might say to isolate you. And we're just going to run down a few right here. Uh, a big one, as mentioned earlier, is 
Uh, it's us versus the world. We are a team. No one gets us. That's a way to isolate you. Uh, they make you feel that your love is special, that no one can love you that much, and that separates you from uh, everyone. Uh, another thing they might do is to kind of create tension between you and your friends or family, or they might see that there might be a little of that going around. They might say, well, if they stopped, uh, you know, barging in our, in our lives, our life would be more amazing than it already is. And they might just do things to like, just really stick a further wedge in between you. And they might say that your friends and family are getting in the way of your love. Uh, they might be saying they're all against us. If we moved away, it would just be us. We would be much happier. We wouldn't have this interference. They're just not happy or they're against us because we're so happy. Look at how unhappy they are. They see us being this happy. They're just jealous of us and our love. They might start being critical uh, of everyone and start to point out other people's flaws and that those people might not have your best interest and that they, that they themselves have your best interest. This is a way that they can also put a wedge in between you and other people too. And another big thing as far as isolation goes is that they tell you that everything in your relationship has to remain a secret and that relationships uh, are done in that way. It's no one else's business. What happens in relationship stays in relationship and going outside of that is not being loyal. It might be just untrustworthy of you to do so. They start really uh, attacking uh, the integrity of you if you go outside the relationship to discuss what's going on and really harking back to everything in a relationship can be a secret or it's our problems, it's our problems to deal with, you know, um, that really provides this layer of you not talking to other people and really challenges you as a human being as far as your loyalty and your integrity goes um, as far as considering your relationship possibly gossip or making you feel guilt or, or shame about talking about it with other people. And... Another one on our list, and the last thing that we'll actually talk about is, I guess, the financial abuses of everything, uh, which hasn't really, we haven't really discussed at all, but when it comes to the physical cost of uh, seeing people and the physical connections of, uh, of seeing people, you know, money might come into play here in a really big way. So even though they might be spending money frivolously in, in, in other places, um, the finances of being like, oh, we can't afford to go visit them. You know, you can't go drive there today because the cost of gas has gone up and, you know, they might only be giving you a, like a little bit of money because they've isolated you in so many ways that you can't even fill up the, the tank of gas. So a lot of the times money will come into play as far as not uh, seeing people and isolating you as well. So that is our episode on isolation. And if you are feeling like you're currently being isolated and having uh, a lot of trouble, um, 
getting out and you're really, really, really deep in your abusive relationship and you're having trouble uh, reaching out to your friends and your family because you just feel like you have nowhere to go and people won't understand you. Uh, we have an online community of great people. Uh, we have Zoom meetings. You don't have to come to the meetings. You can just talk on our boards. We have chats with people. There are, you can get a hold of a domestic violence agency. Uh, there are shelters. You can get an advocate. And uh, if you can go to domesticshelters.org, it has all the phone numbers and websites for all of these organizations, wherever you are. Um, if you're if you're really in this spot right now, um, if you're recognizing that this is what is going on with you and you heard a lot of what is going on in your life in this episode, um, you know, it's OK that you don't reach out. You know, you're going to go through your own process, but just know that we're here for you. Our community here is for you. And um, there are communities within your community, the local shelters and, and agencies as well that are there to help you. So uh, if you're going through that, we're sending our big hugs. Um, you're strong for, for where you are. You're, you're resilient. And unfortunately, this is what um, is going on. And we're all here for you. The whole community, everyone listening today is here for you. And um, we're sending our hugs your way. And for the survivors out there who are, who are out and want to give hope um, and validate the experiences of everyone listening, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our guest form page. Please do read all the instructions and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button and send us your story in the format that we ask for. And again, we have our own support group on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Press the support group button. It's our very own safe social network. Um, we have Zoom meetings three times a week. Wednesday nights, Thursday afternoons, Saturday nights. And uh, we have our forum boards there. And we're going to be revamping everything in uh, January of this year where it's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of diff different themed months and a lot of different events during during the week. We're going to be starting up a book club starting in, in January as well. Um, no matter where you are in your process, no matter uh, where you are in your healing, if you're still in the relationship, if you're out of the relationships, it doesn't matter. We're going to create a, you know, a nice environment where everyone can interact with each other, where the senior members will be, you know, taking the the junior people under under the wing a little and and, and helping them out. And that even comes to divorce and um, custody. We have a lot of people in our groups that are going through that and have been through it and are really great support. So. Um, with that being said, that's it for this episode. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and we hope, or I hope, you have a good night.